calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody and welcome to this spoiler review for season three, episode nine of Picard from the Geek Buddies. Hey, hey. I was doing my best, William Shatner, just doing like a hey. like very uh, dramatic and specific uh, moments. I appreciate for everybody. Appreciate you're, I wonder you're how Shatner would have gotten out of this situation. Maybe the same way. Picard, Shatner, like, Shatner wouldn't have made it. This is beyond Shatner's capabilities as a captain. Sir, how dare you? Sir, how dare you? Um, all right, well, we're going to get into things here. Season 3, Episode 9, the penultimate episode here, Vox. Uh, so interesting, of course, Vox being what we find out is the name of a certain person related to Picard, and we understand what that means, of course, what that uh, is translated to. So very interesting stuff. This episode was incredible from top to bottom, directed by Terry Metalis. So we are definitely going to dive into this one and break it down and have some fun with it as well. But let's introduce ourselves first. I'm the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And you and I have multiple decades of Star Trek experience, Star Trek love. And certainly it came to bear in this episode, Michael. Right off the bat, let's get into it. What are your overall thoughts here? We were texting back and forth, but let's put it on camera officially. What are your overall thoughts here on this episode of Star Trek Picard? I, I just like that uh, with Terry Metalis stepping into the director's chair, basically Dave Filoni's over here building out the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and, and Terry Metalis was like, you can hold on to your own cowboy hat. 
Filoni, I got some shit to do here. And he did it. Um, it, this is like, yeah, I feel like we're a broken record, but like, this is like the greatest Star Trek story ever told. Like if they just stopped Star Trekking after this, yeah, I would be sad, but I wouldn't be mad. Like it was, it's that good. I mean, this is just, we've talked about it each week, how this is a show that, you know, South Park loves to make fun of member berries. Yeah. And, and as geeks, we are all susceptible to member berries. And this episode of all episodes could be accused of all the member berries, but <laughs> it's all so well done and it yeah. builds to this really great thrilling story. And they've just, they've taken all of these pieces of Star Trek lore and woven them together into this epic tapestry of a story yeah. that has just thrilled week after week after week. And, you know, we talked about it last week when we talked about the mystery box of Jack Crusher yeah. um, and what it is. And, you know, I'm, I think a lot of people, had the Borg on their Jack Crusher bingo card. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean the reveal didn't work. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the reveal was so satisfying and it wasn't just, oh, the Borg are behind it, but right. led to the Borg actually succeeding at what they have been trying to do since they showed up in Star Trek. Yeah. It's just like, it's an epic story. I, I have no idea how they're getting out of it. I have a feeling they probably will, but uh, but a hell of a ride and culminating in one of the most nostalgic moments that I can think of in recent geek history yeah. uh, that I was not prepared for it to hit me as hard as it did. So I was thrilled from top to bottom, was literally texting people OMG, OMG, OMG throughout the entire episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good to know I'm one of many. Oh, thanks. I'm part of the collective. I appreciate you're, that. But look, listen. You're my number one. You're my number one text. <laughs> Make it so. Uh, but look, this whole thing, yeah. I mean, I loved this episode so much from top to bottom. And I see, you know, I've seen some people already online. Oh, the nostalgia, nostalgia. Nostalgia is important when it's done well. As you mentioned earlier, people are crowing for the last couple of days over that recent Mandalorian episode, which had all kinds of nostalgia all through it, connecting from the original trilogy all the way to the sequel trilogy and beyond. So there's a way to do it. And it's not like Star Trek does not have the pattern of nostalgia consistently throughout its existence. So I like that they found a way to weave this, and Terry Metallus doing a fantastic job with the writers kind of weaving in this story and making it work. And when the Borg was shown... I'm sure there are some Star Trek fans, oh, of course, the Borg. But the rest of us were like, all right, awesome. This is cool. We love the Borg. Let's see what we got. And what about this entire season didn't let you know that we weren't going back to something that had already been but established? It's the final season. So you want to introduce a whole new fucking villain at the end? That doesn't make any sense. So for me, it doesn't make any sense. So to me, I thought this was fantastic. But the emotional beats... The emotional beats throughout this thing. This is what's really important. This is what grounds it. It makes it more, makes the nostalgia work because you've got Beverly and Picard. You've got Jack. Jack essentially doing exactly what Picard would have done at his age find a way to use his powers, think that he can overcome the Borg Queen. You know, and you see them figuring, and then they're, they're uh, talking amongst themselves like, oh, why didn't we see this? Why couldn't we see this? Oh, I passed on the worst of me to him. And then Jordy freaking out, trying to get to his daughters, Data having to stop him, Data being the one that puts the hand on Picard's shoulder. So you see these moments. Deanna also having to kind of say, there's protocols here. we got to follow this. So there are emotional beats. There are strong beats, character beats here throughout and then at the end, the Captain Shaw situation, what happened with that? Beautiful thing. 
you know, we'll talk about that. But a beautiful thing to have him surrender and say seven of nights, say her name finally at the end before he passes all of it, which, of course, is evoking some of the best deaths in Star Trek, the more the meaningful deaths in Star Trek. And throughout this episode, it really nailed it while also introducing a very intelligent, intricate and um, I thought very smart plot the idea that if you're in a turbo, yeah. you will, and you're over, and you're transporter, controlled, you can have this technology put inside you and be controlled by the Borg. Very, very smart with some symbolism that we'll get to as well. So, yeah, overall, love the episode, banger of an episode, and great nostalgia at the end to make you feel warm and fuzzy inside before we jump into the finale. Well, Who knows what's coming next week? But I think, you, and I think you make a good point about like the Borg reveal. And I think mm -hmm. the thing that people need to remember is. You know, like we live in these big epic geek universes where we have, you know, you can dump out the toy box and pick any toy you want. Like who's yeah. the big bad this season? Who's the big bad that season? But when it comes to Jean-Luc Picard, when it comes to Star Trek The Next Generation and yeah. Jean-Luc Picard specifically, the Borg has always been yeah. the best, not because they were the toughest, although they're pretty tough, but because of the personal relationship. Like they, they represented a danger beyond what the Enterprise or the Federation could handle when they were yeah. first introduced. Yeah. And when they came back, they assimilated Jean-Luc Picard. And what Star Trek has done pretty well over the course of, you know, telling all these Borg stories is, particularly with First Contact, like, yeah. that's trauma. Right. Like, Jean-Luc Picard right. was trauma. traumatized. Exactly. And the entire all of the stuff with him and Alfre Woodard in First Contact, uh, his anger, his 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 personal vengeance against the Borg, the whole white whale, you know, like, the yeah. all of that stuff in First Contact worked so well because this, they didn't just go, oh, some bad guys turned you into a robot. That was a crazy time. <laughs> like, they actually dealt with the fact that this was, like, a really personal invasion for him. Yeah. And so to get to this final adventure and find out that not only were you not cleansed of this thing that you had, this mm -hmm. ultimately this disease, um, right. but you passed it on to your son. Yeah. And now he has become the thing that you feared most in your own life. Like it works because, and the reason the reveal is so satisfying is not because I was so shocked. Right. Uh, it's not the M night Shyamalan. Whoa, I didn't see that coming ending. <laughs> I might've seen it coming. I was hoping it would be the Borg, but yeah. I was, it was satisfying because of all of the emotional beats surrounding it to your point. So yeah. I think that when people get very, uh, oh, I saw that coming. That wasn't a big reveal. I was like, it doesn't matter sometimes if you see something coming. It matters if it was done well. We've seen the fact that Shaw was going to call Seven of Nine, Seven of Nine coming yeah. since the moment that he refused to do it. It right. doesn't mean it didn't hit hard when he did it. Um, right. That's just good storytelling. And that's what this whole season represents is you know, the big reveals, the nostalgia, the Easter eggs, the get, you know, trotting out the entire old crew, like all of that stuff can be done really, really poorly. Yeah. And you're like, oh God, that was real, real rough. Or it can be done the way it's currently be done in, being done on Picard, which is why all of Twitter is currently freaking out about this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, look, the Borg to the next generation crew are the Klingons to the original series. Yeah. So in the Klingon, I mean, the Klingons were and the Klingons what? to Kirk, and the Klingons to Kirk yeah, are exactly. the Borg to Picard. Yeah, exactly. They're emotional. That's why Kirk in Star Trek Six let them die. It's a it's a journey he's on, 
And clearly Picard still hearing the voices as Locutus of Borg, still hearing the voices of the collective, which we find out in this which, episode, speaks which was a good, about how that can affect Which you. was a great retcon to sort of uh, justify what didn't quite make sense in First Contact, and now it does. So thank yep. you for that, Terry Metallis. We appreciate it. <laughs> a lot of, there was a lot of retconning here that worked, including what happened in Discovery. But anyway, uh, all right, so let's get into it. We're going to break this thing down. We're going to jump into it. Look, I don't know how long this review is going to go because there's a lot to discuss. So just letting you know right now, just strap into your uh, seat on the bridge sit back relax and let us entertain you with our thoughts on this episode so let's jump into it mike right off the bat i mean what a beginning here we pick up right after the end of the last episode episode eight here with deanna troy talking to jack working her magic on jack you know talking to him about okay i'm gonna i'm here with you what are these vines what do they represent we see him we hear a song i can't stop crying from will grove white playing over this whole sequence as it's happening deanna pushes jack to analyze what's going on look what what do the red vines mean as i said what does the red door mean then he gets kind of lost talking about the crimson arb arboretum i don't go to these things arboretum. Arboretum. arboretum that's it okay i don't go to these things so but yeah that's a card <laughs> you're, you're not fancy you don't go to those flower cages no offense to the flowers i don't dig on the flowers but crimson arboretum there and he went there with his mother that of course beverly and and um he mulls over the fact that the vines or like the roots beneath the soil. And immediately, Mike, I'm thinking, oh, shit, is this a fungal thing? Is this Last of Us all over? Again? What's going on in my mind, right? But then he talks about how the song was passed on to his mom and then to him. So in essence, maybe foreshadowing what we're going to hear about is being passed on to Jack from both his mom and Picard here. Uh, and then uh, Deanna is the one that asks for permission from Jack to open the door to reveal what's behind the door says you're not going to be alone we'll do this together but when she opens the door and sees what it is kind of like um sam jackson or uh travolta opening up the case there and seeing the gold shining on it we see the gold shining on deanna she closed that door and she takes off and she apologized to jack and leaves him there jack's freaking out wondering what she saw she runs to beverly and picard and tells him tells them both it is what it and we flash back to her seeing that opening the door is the borg great sound cue here with a blah and see and great design of the borg here in this picard season three i thought that was fantastic as well and we hear the eerie voice and bro that's got to be alice krieg as the borg queen and we hear the and we see the borg cue as i said it's pretty awesome beverly's pretty shocked by this because she's like jack's never been assimilated but and picard is pushing back on it as well as well and he thinks that may have he may have passed on something far worse than the than the eremitic syndrome onto him and then they realize that this is what Vatic, why Vatic wanted Jack as much as he did. He's a dangerous weapon that can be used against humanity. And Deanna pulls out the uh, pulls out the rank here and says, "Hey, there's protocols. This dude has is gone into people's brains and controlled them. He is a weapon now. So we kind of got to follow the rules here." And then Picard goes in to talk to Jack understanding of the situation tries to explain to him what was going on explain to him about the how they were misdiagnosed with the aromatic syndrome talks about locutus aborg which of course jack got a little bit of information of from shaw when they were in the bar 10 forward there and certainly and jack is pissed off and jack is mad and jack is frustrated about all of this now how much of that is jack how much is that of the borg elements of him pushing back about being discovered and wanting to find his way out and so uh picard says you got to stay here jack says no i'm going i'm going to get out of here opens the door security is there security initially jack thinks okay i'm not or jack says oh you're gonna stop me and he turns the security against picard exactly what picard said he was afraid jack was gonna do jack does 
gets on out of there and uh and then and we, so it's so let's stop there uh, mike he gets on out of there and he's heading to the shuttle but we'll get to there so opening stuff with the borg opening stuff here with the interactions with jack and deanna and with uh beverly and uh picard and then picard with jack so I like I loved I loved all that. The second yeah. you heard fungal infection, which you wouldn't I, be wrong. I mean, um, under the, but but what I, I as soon as he was talking about all the roots connected to each other and the perfection of it, I was like, oh, sh-, like yeah, it's for like we're Borg. This is it. <laughs> There's nobody else. Like this is what it like the 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 because to your point, and actually it's really funny. The Last of Us. Yeah. And Star Trek Discovery, both dealing with the mycelium network and the fact that, well, point, you know, yeah. we've learned, scientists have learned that like trees and root systems that we used yeah. to think they were all separate aren't. And you have these giant networks and all trees and forests are talking to each other all the time and they're all interconnected. And so in the exact same way that Last of Us has used that uh, to say this is how all of the infected work in our show. Yeah. It is a perfect analogy for how the Borg work, where it's one giant collective. It's not individuals all fighting for each other, everybody. So the second that he was like, those roots, they were all connected. They were talking to each other. It was perfection. I was like, okay. Um, then Troy opened that door. And I I love, you know, Deanna Troy, she's our, our, our counselor on the Enterprise. Like, sure. she's always together. She's calm. She's got her shit together. So when she jumps up and was like, I'm out. Like she, I was like, okay, well we, it, it just, it was played so well yeah. um, to the point where it almost made me laugh, but in a, just a really like, oh yeah, not even Deanna Troy is like going to fuck with this. She's like, I'm out. <laughs> Our session is over. You can keep your money. I gotta go. I gotta um, go. Yeah. But yeah, like running in great reveal Borg shit, Borg cube. Now, some people who have watched all of Picard might be a little bit confused. So just really quickly, and yeah. Terry Metalis basically said this on Twitter early on, at the end of season two, Dr. Gerardi, through weird time travel loopy doopiness, yeah. kind of became a Borg queen and was helping them. And that Borgs, that whole Borg group sort of was like assimilated in a better way because that's what Picard season two was all about. Most of us all agree that Picard season two is really wonky and yeah. most of it is best left forgotten. And Terry Metalis basically agrees, says that the Gerardi hive is its own thing mm-hmm. and said early on, which was a big indicator that the real Borg are probably off some where licking their wounds after Janeway kicked their ass at the end of Voyager. Right. So in the whole Borg timeline of everything, despite some Borg trying to like kind of become better Borg in Picard season one and all of the time travel, timey-wimey stuff that happened in season two, Borg appeared in Next Generation, Borg assimilated Locutus of Borg, yeah. Borg went back in time in first contact and tried to turn Earth into Borg stuff, uh, Enterprise stopped them out in the Delta Quadrant and Voyager. Voyager dealt with the Borg and the Borg Queen a bunch of times, kicked their ass royally, and they've just been off licking their wounds since then until now. So like yeah. that's sort of the Borg of it all. Um, but yeah, then going in and watching sort of Beverly and Jean-Luc sort of react to this the way parents would, and like you said at the beginning of this review, uh, uh, having Troy kind of be like, look, I get that you guys are really concerned parents, this is a threat to the entire Federation. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Jean-Luc Picard going in and talking to his son, which is a scene that just illustrated all the reasons that Jean-Luc Picard is uh, not the most emotionally connected guy. 
Yeah. Um, now, granted, like this is like, again, his biggest trauma come to life. But like, dude can't even look at his son. So, you know, yeah. you've got Jack yeah. Crusher who's like, please just tell me what's going on in this moment of all moments. You need to be there to comfort your son. And that is something that Jean-Luc Picard cannot do. Like he can barely look at the dude. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what to do. And basically says, we're going to send you to a Vulcan Institute which is more or less like we're going to put you away in the hospital and lobotomize you. Right. right. Um, and again, we've said this, it comes around again and again and again in Star Trek. He's like, it's about the protection of everyone else, not you. Again, it's the good of the many outweighs yeah. the good of the sun in this yeah. case. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that's a really, and, and that Jack Crusher was like, Oh, you know what, what about, uh, what about your role as a father? Did you not get that memo? He tries to guilt him. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was like, it was a really, really great scene because you do understand that this is Jean-Luc Picard's biggest trauma come back to haunt him. Yeah. But you also see Jack Crusher just struggling and like everything that he's thought his entire life about wouldn't the world be better if we all could see each other's perspective? Wouldn't the world be better if we all could just speak with one voice? Wouldn't the world be better? All these things that are on the face of it are not actually bad things. And he's now second guessing all of that is like, oh, is that just my Borg programming mm -hmm. seeking to assimilate everybody, seeking to make everybody a part of the collective? So he's having like full meltdown. And then, like you said, in a moment of sheer panic, uh, proves exactly how dangerous he can be yeah uh you know this he he didn't struggle to take over those two guards he did that real real easy yeah um and walking away from jean luc was tough but then also him just stopping his mom and being oh like, yeah no. like beverly just yelling totally after stopping yeah. beverly and being yeah. like look i'm not dealing with any of you i'm going to the source i'm going to the borg queen i'm going to go find the answers that I need and yeah. I'm going to take care of this myself thinking, thinking that he can, because he doesn't yet know what Jean-Luc Picard knows, which is exactly how powerful the Borg queen really is, which, which, which Picard kind of says in the scene, he's like, you have no idea how powerful. Um, yeah. So it was great. The other little tidbit that I'll throw in here, just cause it's mm. not in the scenes, but just from the rest of the season is the fact that we were, that he was hearing Beverly Crusher's voice for the whole season right. as his mom and then when we get to the Borg Queen scene, she's very clearly like, you're my son, you're my baby. Yeah. It's so fucking creepy. Just on a, on a creep level, we're at like yeah. creep level 10 on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Vatic said, she's not yours. To Beverly. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not yours, rather. So, basically saying that Jack, in essence, is not her child, even though she may be bi he may be biologically her child. It is really the Borg Queen's child. So, nice bit of hinting there from her earlier in the season. But two things stand out to me that I think is really powerful and why I think this is intelligent as well. This idea of hey, sometimes we can get so caught up in thinking that if everyone thought like I thought, then we'd all be better, right? This is this is what we always think. This is what leads to battles and wars and what we're seeing now, divisive tribalism going on in our culture, going on all over the world, not just here in the country. If everyone just thought the way I, if everyone saw what I saw, we'd all be okay. Now seeing Jack kind of confront that and realize that, oh, if I, it, actually pursuing that leads to, as he said, cybernetic authoritarianism. Yeah. It's a very intelligent thing to consider if you're looking at this. And Star Trek, I love that Star Trek always operates on this social level, political level, and surface level of action and, and uh, conversations and just with the characters. But there's always so much more going on. As great sci-fi 
usually has. And so seeing that in the conversation with him and Picard, and then Picard, as you mentioned, talking about his trauma, saying you don't understand, you don't understand. It's a generational thing, father to son, saying you haven't experienced the world. You haven't experienced what I've yeah. experienced. Trust me, it is not what you think it is, what is going to happen to you, what into the woods, right? You, you know, you should have stayed with me. You ran out there. Didn't I tell you how the world was going to be? So you see those connective tissues of these things going on that I think are really universal and very well done here. And of course, the Borg is the thing that can, whatever the Borg may be, whatever it symbolizes in your respective life, that's the thing that can sometimes twist you because it wants you to think the same way it thinks and everybody thinks the same way and then does the same thing. But no one, as you said, Mike, no one's actually living or fighting for each other. It's more of a command and demand, which is why they have to take away your free will in order to make you do it. You know, So just all of that being explored here. And as you said, the father... Uh, the father and um, uh, I'm sorry, the mother and father stuff, them both trying to connect with Jack, but can't get through to him. And he takes off because, you know, that's what young people do. No, no, I can do it. Young people always think they can do it. And God love them because sometimes they can. But, you know, I remember when it's young and sometimes you can't. And so you learn that lesson, just like I'm sure Picard learned it, just as I'm sure Beverly learned it here as well. So I love that that's operating here. So uh, let's move on just a little bit and then we'll take a break here. But uh, he wants to get close to the board queen to kill her is what he says. I'm going to show her what I can do. I'm going to show her who I'm going to be when he takes off. And as you said, Beverly comes after him. But then Data comes in to talk to Picard after Beverly and Picard see the shuttle take off in the window and have a conversation. In essence, Picard saying, you know, he inherited the greatest stuff from you. He inherited the worst from me. And then, you know, Beverly trying to tell him this that it's not quite that case. But he's later on, we see Data in there coming in to talk to Picard. They can't find the shuttle. He says, do you want me Do you want me to say something comforting? And uh, uh, Picard's like, I'm not sure what you could say. So he just quietly puts his hand on his shoulder, which I think is just fantastic. What an incredible uh, change in this new data. I love this new data. Jordy calls in. He says, you better get down to sickbay, which is so familiar to um, McCoy calling into Kirk about Spock saying, you better get down here. Better hurry. From Star Trek to Rathacon, because there is more he needs to know about Jack. We see, we cut to Jack who's showing up in some sort of nebula. It's a transwarp conduit. And suddenly he sees the Borg cube there in the galaxy. And then, then we go back to the Titan and Jordy says, all Borg go undergo genetic alterations so the bodies can communicate with their cybernetic components. They couldn't catch it 35 years ago in Picard. His new genetic code that the Borg left within him was dormant. And they had dial, uh, biological Borg adaptations, Borg adaptations that were put inside of him. While Picard is a, was a receiver, which is why he still hears the Borg voices, Jack is a transmitter and can send instructions, in essence, leading the Borg. So, in essence, so the Changeling stole Picard's body to weaponize the Borg genetic code. And they ask, how is Jack able to control people who are not Borg? And they haven't figured that out just yet. And Beverly is kicking herself that she missed this her entire life, which mothers, of course, would do. But the Changelings have been working with the Borg the whole time. And all the fleet is gathered into one place for Frontier Day, and Picard radios up to Shaw to get to the Soul System, where every Starfleet vessel might shoot them out of the sky, and, and he says it's our only option, and Shaw so perfectly says, of course it is. And we see some beautiful visuals here of Frontier Day as, uh, you know, the uh, the explosions are happening, the NCC 1701F comes out of space dock, commanded by Admiral Shelby, which Michael will talk about here in a little bit, uh, and she gives a nice speech about the birth of Starfleet, and, we, and then we cut back to Borg as Jack transports into the cube ship we hear welcome home jack and the cut back to show but he's going on with their speech introducing fleet formation which is essentially 
all the ships in Starfleet operating as one, which is very Borg-like. And just in case you thought nobody else on the show caught it, literally the next conversation is uh, Picard saying, and with Riker, talking about how the irony of, of Shelby endorsing something so Borg-like. So let's stop there, um, uh, uh, Mike, here, uh, with everything that's going on here, with Jack talking to the Borg Queen here, or beginning the initial conversation with the Borg Queen here, and then what's going on with... Um, finding out what's going on with Picard's body and then finding out that they've got to go to frontier day. Yeah. I I mean, I totally echo what you said about the data scene. It was great. It's, you know, data coming in and saying, would you like me to say something comforting is very old school, classic data. Like that is a classic data moment of data who doesn't understand humanity will be like, sir, would you like me to say something comforting? And then when Picard's like, I don't think you can do it. It's new data. Who's like, I know. And does what, what most dudes don't do in real life, which yeah. is like, I'm going to try and explain or make you feel better. I just am going to be here for you. I'm yeah. just going to put my hand on your shoulder and just be here in this moment. And then even the fact that uh, Picard like puts his hand on Data's hand. like It's just yeah. this wonderful, tender moment between the two of them. One who was programmed not to have emotions for the majority of his experience in Trek and one who just has a really hard time expressing his emotions. Um, having this nice emotional moment was really, really lovely before we went down to sick bay for like massive exposition dump. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so, you know, and we've been kind of hinting at this all season, but the aromatic syndrome that Picard had in the finale of Star Trek Next Generation is now not aromatic syndrome. It was misdiagnosed and it was Borg shit. Wow. Um, and so like, that's number one. What a number revelation. Two is, what a yeah, re- no, and it's, it's just a great way of taking something that was an amazing device in the finale to allow us in next generation to kind of go back to the very beginnings of next generation, kind of take a glimpse into the future and have this adventure with Q and everything else. It was great, but it was just kind of this thing um, and kind of using it to be like, let's just take this thing that was used for this finale and just nudge it over here and make it part of the arc of Jean-Luc Picard's story where the Borg are, he's Ahab and the Borg are his whale. Let's just make this aromatic syndrome part of that. Um, Just shove it up in there. And they did it really, really well. Uh, And even to the point, like we said, you know, in first contact, he kind of could sense the Borg. He could still hear the Borg. Yeah. And that didn't really make, I mean, it was cool and it worked for the movie and we all love first contact, but now that has been sort of, oh, well, now we know why, because Mm -hmm. even though he thought all of the Borg shit was out of him, it was not. Um, And that the changeling, what the changeling wanted was that Borg shit. So now everything is just Borg shit and it all is very clean. And you're like, it's all Borg shit. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and even the idea that that's, and that's not only do they want, did they want what was in Picard's body in his prefrontal lobe, but that's what, but they need Jack for something similar. And so then they want, they leave that one question hanging, which is, well, why could he control people? And we don't quite know that yet, but we, you know, we're about to find it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we get into the fact that whatever they're planning and whatever it is that Jack is doing about controlling people, controlling people is clearly what's behind it. And Oh shit, the entire fleet is together. So that is a giant like, oh, wow, well, they're all together. That's going to be real convenient for taking people over. So then, yeah, we rushed to Frontier Day, despite Shaw being like, hey, 
It's another terrible thing on the terrible <laughs> list of things that have happened to me it's in these terrible few idea, days. Man. <laughs> he's like, sure. At this point, he doesn't even care. He's like, this is a really bad idea. Picard's like, it's the only idea. And he's like, yeah, fuck that shit for, of course. Let's just go. <laughs> Poor Shaw. Poor Shaw. Those man. last few days of Shaw's life have been real, real tough on the old guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then seeing Admiral Shelby, I mean, Admiral Shelby, uh, another, another deep cut Star Trek cameo, mm -hmm. uh, coming out of here, you know, she first appeared in the Borg episodes, uh, in, in, you know, the best of both worlds. And she was introduced as someone she came when, when, when Picard was taken, she came over to the enterprise because she was a Borg expert. Like she yeah. was the one who had been studying the Borg since the Borg had first come onto the scene. She and Riker had a whole bunch of stuff against each other. Like she didn't, she thought Riker was a little too comfy in the enterprise chair she really wanted to be in the enterprise chair so just a really great character who now is the admiral and that's why Riker said you know that's kind of when they say how weird it is that she did something that she is yeah so in support of something that's so Borg-like is because as someone who was an expert on the Borg from the very beginning she should know better right um now look whether she was well she clearly wasn't the changeling since we see what happened to her but she really should have known better um so yeah the fleet has now all connected their devices um you know i don't know if this is a on the nose nod to Battlestar Galactica, but this Ooh. episode has a lot of really great Battlestar Galactica sort of nods to it as far as a bunch of ships that are connected and the robotic bad guys that can sort of use that against the, sh uh, against the fleet. Um, but yeah, so seeing all of this stuff happen, big bad news, this is not great. And, uh, and then we're about to dive into uh, the shit. And, yeah. and when we dive into the shit in this episode, we <laughs> dive into the shit. Like, ooh, we'll get there, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I 100% I, I love this idea of um, something being dormant, something being misdiagnosed. That you can make work. You know, like you said, 35 years ago, Jordy says, we, could, we, could, we didn't have the equipment to analyze what was going on with you. And, of course, the Borg, who have always been multiple steps ahead of the Federation in most situations, uh, would have put this inside of him. My question to you is, Mike, how did they know Picard would eventually – like, I mean, were they monitoring Picard's sexual activities to see if he's going to get somebody pregnant? Like, what's the extent that they were monitoring Picard, which is super creepy? And that leads to my overall point here. I like the commentary, at least the, what I'm getting from the commentary and the symbolism here about technology and the dangers of all of us surrendering our free will, surrendering ourselves to technology and letting technology drive, right? We see it in Wally, -E, We've seen it in other sci-fi, the idea of technology taking over, what can happen, how it can turn us into a collective, how can it remove our free will, how it can warp our minds to believe certain things if we're on a certain app and reading a bunch of stuff all day, how it can warp our minds when we're watching TV and we get into something so there's so much commentary about the dangers of technology always and it's it's been a prevalent thing in sci-fi but certainly here coming back and touching base with it i think is really really smart because of how we see this happen and of course the idea of shelby becoming what she beheld makes sense as well i mean we what harley quinn become or you know harley quinzel becomes harley quinn she sees what the joker is but she still becomes a, a yeah. you know, person connected to the joke i'm just saying people can be influenced by the things they're studying and start to find reasons to assimilate no, right. that stuff I mean, without knowing they're assimilating it. And I like that that's an element here as well. There's all there. I mean, there's probably a great story to be told in some Star Trek novel or something about how yeah. Shelby 
in studying the Borg came to respect certain aspects of them and said, right. even though we would never go down this road, right. wouldn't it be great if we could work with the uh, synchronicity that the Borg did and how powerful that would yeah. make us? And then you look at how that just ended up being a backdoor to sort of becoming the thing that you hated. As far as the Picard thing, I mean, just to be, like, just to be clear, like the Borg didn't do something specifically to Picard and only Picard. Like basically any person who gets assimilated, even if you took all of the tech out of them, yeah. there are certain organic pieces of Borg that allow the flesh and the tech to talk to each other that would always be there. Right. And just nobody noticed it when they fixed Picard the first time because the Federation's technology hadn't gone that far. Right. So saying, yeah. ostensibly any person who had been assimilated by the Borg and came back from it um, could be susceptible to this. Right. Um, and now I would be curious, this hasn't really been answered, but based on what the Borg Queen says to Jack, mm -hmm. it seems to, yeah. like, it, and I, I could be wrong about this, and yeah. anybody can correct me in the comments if I am wrong about this, or Terry Metalis can like clarify it at some point, but yeah. it seems like the changelings are the one that took this information to the Borg. Like, I don't think that the Borg were Ooh. sitting around and said, oh, Picard had a son. Let's go get those changelings. I think the changelings yeah. in their desire to get revenge on the Federation for the Dominion War, yeah. at some point, somehow along the line, saw Jack Crusher, put things together, realized he was Picard. Like, they, they went to the Borg Queen and said, hey, we have this information and we think we could do some stuff with it. And Borg Queen was like, cool, I'm in. Yeah. Um, but I could be wrong about that. But that seems to be. So to your point. Yeah how they how they discovered Jack Crusher and who Jack Crusher was is an interesting question but once they discovered that and what it meant um they were off to the races yeah yeah well it's, i mean that's just what i find very interesting so we'll see how that plays out of course obviously and, and how the question is and why was lacutus of borg why was lacutus of borg's progeny chosen to be the one that they would be going after that they would be trying well, to bring in to be the voice of them and of course this stuff being dormant both in picard and jack his entire life so this idea of something that always made you feel unique and different how it can be warped in a certain way to be something that controls you is very interesting so yeah well i saying? i mean and again i could be wrong about this mm. but i don't think that there's any borg i mean i think that john luke john luke picard and seven of nine. Is it because he's Federation? He was the easiest one they had to follow him? Is it because he's the only one? I, no, I, I think he's the only solution? one. Like, I don't think, like, yeah. what I was about to say is, I mean, aside from all the Borg in season one of Picard, which I don't know what all they're doing is they get uh, rehabilitated. Yeah. Like, aside from seven of nine and Picard, I don't know that there's that many people that come back from being a Borg. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. think there's a bunch of people that the Borg assimilated and then got got the best that Federation medicine could buy and got yeah. pulled back from it. So I think that Jack Crusher may be the only Borg progeny in exact. Like, I don't think that they like yeah. chose him above all others. I don't think there's a bunch of like human Borg hybrids running around in the universe. I think right. Jack Crusher might be it. And, and throw the element of revenge of the Borg Queen on Picard as well to use his own son against him. So I'm sure that's an element of this as well. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break before we dive into, as Mike eloquently called, the shit uh, right after this. 
Um, all right, let's jump back into this. I don't, there's no, there's no music. There's no music that can prepare us yeah, for the shit. music, for God's sakes? I no no music can prepare us for the shit. We're just diving in. <laughs> all right, we're just diving in. Let's do it. All right, so um, all right, so here we go uh, going forward here. Uh, on the other, we, we see Jack. We go back to Jack, who is there with a phaser, and he's talking to the Borg Queen, and, uh, you know, she's she's calling him my flesh and my child. And then talks about all the different names she wanted to call him and settled on Vox, where his father's name meant to speak. His is the voice of the Borg. Uh, and he tries to take out the Borg Queen, but of course, she says resistance is futile. And I had shades of uh, Sigourney Weaver uh, going up against the alien queen, just the side from behind. Because you don't see Alice Krieg's face at all in this episode, but hearing her voice and seeing how big she is from behind as in compared to Jack, who was down there, I thought was a really interesting shot and decision in direction wise to show the, how much she, how imposing that she actually is, but she, he is eventually assimilated and transformed into the weapon, which is the exact thing that Picard said was going to happen that Jack didn't listen to. But of course, Jack had to find it on his own, but they discover the crew, the crew does back on the Titan that the changelings had a larger plan going on this, uh, going on to infiltrate Starfleet. And they discover that aboard each and every vessel, they uploaded new data that would go, uh, that would go into the transporter code and it would be transported onto people. One that transformed Picard's Borg filled DNA into common biology and that's how borg that's how the borg decided or planned to control every ship by assimilating every member of the crew under 25 who gets into these trans uh, porters after the changelings take over picard attempts to warn admiral show breaks through the communication thing after their ship has been taken over and the fleet has been assimilated breaks her tries to tell her and then bang she is shot to death uh, by her own crew and we see this and we hear all the younger members of the crew now start to turn on the bridge of the titan uh immediately jordan's like my daughters and then we see sydney turn and then we see alondra turn as well they're all assimilated by the borg i'm just glad mike that lieutenant tavine didn't live long enough to see her fellow bridge mates turn in this way for god's sakes but the rest of the next generation crew escape down to the bridge they get into the turbo lift and in the turbo lift they hear someone on i think it's a, a channel 99 and they listen to a message from the captain of the uss excelsior who says he's taking control of the bridge he's he's doing fine this is the if anybody can communicate on this channel this is how we get through and then we hear him desperately realize that his ship is being moved out in front of the entire fleet and before he can say tell my family i love them he is shot out of the sky which shows you that they're not going to be able to shoot their way out of this thing at all but sean shaw comes up with a plan because of communicating on the maintenance channel to go down to the maintenance level where there's an escape shuttle off the titan uh and because the shuttles aren't tied to the overall integration and that's where everybody reunites there and deanna says i've never been happier to see more wrinkles in my life but just before they can fully talk about what they need to do here the boar the controlled boar crew come in and they start to shoot them and there's a pretty cool firefight that goes on here and they all start to take off into the shuttle here uh and jordy says i've got another idea other than just the shuttle i've got another way that we can make this happen uh and as this whole thing is going down shaw stays behind to give them cover to make sure they can get into the shuttle he gets shot and Seven of Nine comes to his aid and starts to shoot off, and they eventually kill off the Borg uh, control people that have been down there, and him and or stun them rather. Him and Ra and then her and Rafi are there talking to Shaw, and then Shaw has a beautiful moment with Seven of Nine and actually calls her 
seven and by her name and says that she is now she has the con you, she has control of the ship you are the captain now you are the captain now and as i predicted for numerous episodes she he has been grooming her to be the captain of the ship or captain of i ship. still don't and agree in with that, that moment he does it Michael. He would not. He would not have been calling her Hanson all season if he. That's actually... to motivate you. You've never been in the military. It's supposed to motivate you when people no, do that to you. What's no, wrong with you? No, no, no. They don't call you a puke because they like you, Mike. No, no. Because oh, they don't like had, you. That man had his own level of Borg trauma, <laughs> and he was not using that as a leadership tool. Telling you, maybe a little bit, because he does hand it over to her, though, man. I mean, clearly, yeah, because he finally was like, "Oh, you're the real deal. I should have been nicer to you this whole time." But look, R.I.P. to Captain Shaw, man. Your service, fantastic on on the ship here. You're, and then, uh, of course, then all of them uh, take off in the shuttle, and we'll talk about that in a second. But let's deal with this, Michael. Let's deal. With the death of Shaw, let's deal with them finding out what a uh, to me this struck me as brilliant. The idea of him using Picard's body, soon having Picard's body, then the changing discovering maybe while they were in that lab being experimented on, discovering yep. what was on Picard's body, and then the board coming up with the idea of being able to put that DNA code onto people and everybody under the age of 25 being able to be controlled buy this stuff so those are two huge things the death of shaw and this idea of being able to control people through without them knowing being assimilated into the borg under the age of 25 so what are your thoughts on both of these things that that we found out here in this uh, in this sequence of the show yeah i mean look it's well first uh you know jack crusher's whole conversation oh, with yes, the borg right, queen yes. to your point was yeah. just great and creepy in all the best ways and sometimes you know, not showing the monster is sometimes better than showing the monster. Yeah, so the way they yeah. did everything with just showing her from behind, not having like, you know, let's just have like a nice chat on my Borg ship, like yeah. just doing it all in a very creepy way. And even what she said, which was really interesting, it's, you know, well, you know, we like it, we love the changelings. The Borg are awesome. But it was, was oh, well, that's one is the Dominion War and one is this. But yeah. the way she says, like, they all came together because they hated that they, they want their mutual uh, revenge, but also yeah. their mutual hatred of species who I believe she says live like shattered glass. Shattered glass, yes. Um, because both the changelings and the Borg basically are giant hive minds. Like yeah. they both, you know, the, the changelings go into the Great Link, the Borgs are all uh, connected. And so for both of those species, looking at all of the individualism around them, they're kind of like, this is dumb. <laughs> we do not we do not subscribe no free thinking uh, people here yeah yeah exactly yeah so i i thought it was a really interesting like her kind of explaining that piece of the team up was like that makes sense yeah. and then poor jack crusher thinking he was going to come in and shoot her and when she's like if you could have killed me you already would have done it and his his scream of frustration and like watching watching his anger go from go from anger to despair to acceptance was literally the definition of resistance is futile. Yes. Like it was, it was, you just saw it happen on his face. Yeah. Um, so that was all great, but yes, oh, I hold haunting I, him. You, if you could have, if you could kill me, you would have done it yeah. already. And so, yeah, you couldn't do it. But yeah. then to your point, um, just what a brilliant, like, okay, so what is it the Borg are going to do this time? They're going to try and assimilate us once again. They've got Jack Crusher, and they're going to try and take over everybody. And then to kind of go like, no, no, they already did it. 
Yeah. This has been the plan all along. And I mean, even calling back to, you know, the Rolaren episode where Ooh. she had figured out enough. She didn't know all of it, but right. she didn't trust those. She says specifically, I don't trust the transporters. Yeah. Like I'm, right. I'm flying from she ship something to ship. was wrong Fuck. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like she knew something was wrong. She didn't know what it was. So, and the fact that a lot, like, like the changeling on the, um, on the Titan, mm -hmm. the first one that we met was he had, he had, um, shapeshifted. He had taken over for the guy that was working the transporter system. Like, yeah, that, like just from the get go, this has always been the plan that they've just been inserting this in so that every time people are beaming, every single person has been infected with this code it's like you know there's all you know i mean that's and that's the way the transporters have always worked you know kind of like breaks you down to the molecular level and then rebuilds you again that's how it works so the fact that when it's breaking you down at the molecular level it's just inserting some new genes into that dna yeah. and making everybody already assimilated and then because this is the final basically the final season of next generation and just like the star trek movies uh we are on team old people we want the old yes. people to win. Just like um, movies. Yeah. Making it, making the whole thing like, oh, it's everybody 25 or under is infected. So like it's all the young people, <laughs> which kind of gives ones. us a free and clear. We don't have to define, like we don't have to do that thing where Beverly Crusher rushes in at the last minute with like a giant thing. She's like, I figured out how to immu immunize us, but it's just us. Like you're like, okay, this is clean. It makes sense. Yeah. There's a pseudoscience reason for it. I accept it. Um, but that moment of realization that they have is great because if you're a hardcore star trek fan it's the moment of realization where you're like well wait a minute if that's true then everyone's been assimilated so we now have set up like the entire fleet is connected yeah like a giant collective and every single person without knowing it if you beamed anywhere which everybody beams all over the place you're yeah. infected and you've been assimilated by the borg like the borg have won they did yeah. it and then watching it happen like watching the borg takeover happen the ships the ships yeah. all sort of moving into sync with each other yeah. and one by one every single one of these young characters that we've as we've talked about that we've really sort of come to like and enjoy yeah. over yeah. the course of the season just instantly get assimilated and then jordy's realization that his daughters yeah. are under 25 like it was just one thing after another yeah. and in the best possible way created a situation that they're like, there's no way out of this. Like, what are you going to do? Like, like, and I think the moment with the Excelsior is like the perfect uh, oh. illustration of that. Like, it's a great moment where you see a ship, you're like, we got away, we got control of the bridge. And then you're like, oh shit, oh no. And you're like, oh yeah, like you're, everyone's fucked. Like everyone is fucked in this situation. Um, so yeah, they realize they're gonna escape, team up with everybody else great moment and they all get out there and like i was talking to somebody the other day and they were like someone's dying in this episode of course, like, so, I, of someone, course. I don't know who's i don't know who's dying but someone's dying and when when shaw was getting everybody out of there i was like oh here yeah. here it comes here it comes <laughs> and then it happened um but yeah like getting the rest getting you know and it and it like look they've seven of nine and rafi are going to stay on the titan makes sense yeah. it gives us the like we're just getting the old crew we're going for the nostalgia play it's just those guys but uh love rafi staying back with seven of nine of course perfect yeah. perfect ex-girlfriend move right. um and then that <laughs> moment with shaw was like again like i said at the beginning of this review just because you know something's coming doesn't mean it's not awesome yeah. And we've been calling this ball. Roka thinks that he's been that he's been uh, maybe a little bit more aware of how awesome Seven of Nine is than yes. I did. 
I think he finally came around in like the last episode and realized he'd been a dick the rest of the time. You all can be the judge of that one. He's still called Hanson though. Anyway, but right. either way, we all knew that in the final moment he was going to be like seven of nine. So now, and, and also if you're a seven of nine fan from the get, yeah. like even even, and I think she's probably one of the most consistent things throughout all three seasons of Picard 100%. in a show that has been wildly all over the place. Like yeah. seven of nine's journey has been pretty great and her desire to both be in Starfleet and be a captain. And so she's now the captain of the Titan. So there's take all the next generation side and put it, stuff and put it here for a minute. If yeah. you're just a Voyager seven of nine person, this is a great moment. Yeah. Like she is now the captain of the Titan with her awesome girlfriend right next to her. So <laughs> big, big ups, big ups for seven of nine. Well, it's complicated that relationship. We don't know it's, you know what? The best relationships are the best yeah, relationships. That's a hundred percent. The truth. Um, yeah, we'll leave that alone, but yeah, the truth, <laughs> there's a lot going on here that I thought, I mean, look, a young man being seduced by an older woman saying the right things. That happens, ladies and gentlemen. That's a, it's, you know, it happens. It can be being groomed. In essence, he was groomed. So it happens. So I like that there's a little bit of the real world connectivity in that moment with the Borg Queen and Jack, which I really enjoy. I remember when Borg Queen seduced Data in first contact. Yeah. That's really chilling as well and got halfway through to him. So I thought that was really interesting uh, as a connective tissue to seeing how her tactics use and Alice Krieg has always had one of the sexiest voices from chariots of fire on. I've always been a fan of her as an actress. So having her come back in this is just so great uh, to see for sure. But this idea of the turbo lift, Michael, <clears throat> I'm going to walk out on it in the minefield here. The turbo lift in essence, it's something you being exposed to something, not the turbo think, lift, what? the transporter system. The tra sorry, the transporter, sorry, the trans, right. Them discovering it in the in the turbo lift about the transporter. Right. So the transporter room stuff, this is something that's really interesting, right? Something you use every day or you come in contact with every day, how it can possibly change your point of view, how it can mess with you and assimilate you, whatever. As I mentioned earlier, you know, whatever side of the political fence you're on, because certainly one people see it, oh, they're being indoctrinated as a young, at a young age. The other side, they're being indoctrinated at a young age with misinformation. Both sides say the same thing. So the transporter room, in a way, carries the symbolism of that, no matter what your point of view is, that some, that you can affect young people if you get them early enough, instill certain ideas oh. or ideologies or thought patterns or whatever inside of them. It's not the nano stuff, but it's, you know, in terms of symbolism, all of that and seeing Listen. it. And then they can turn on the older generation, possibly, or turn and want to be part of a collective and think they're doing the right thing. You can manipulate them. This is why they get you into the military at 18 years old, because that's when you can be kind of changed mentally to believe certain things or to be, you know, turned into a soldier easier. That's why uh, many people have said that. So you see that element working here and it works so well in the construct of Star Trek. So it works well just as a surface level. But if you're looking for the symbolism beneath it, it's all there as well, which I think works so well. I also love Jordy, you know, running to his and data stopping him. That's something yeah. we never saw data stopping Jordy going. Dude, we need a plan. I get it. Yeah. But we need a plan. That was an awesome moment between the two of them, for sure. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and, of course, the the passing here of Shaw. I mean, as I said, Tosh Dashwick has been an incredible part of this uh, of this series. And, to, and it's a sad thing that he's gone. But I knew there was a reason he wasn't necessarily clamoring or, or out there hearing or, you know, necessarily talking about going forward as a captain with a new Titan series or whatever. 
And it makes the most sense. You said, Michael, Jerry Ryan has been the consistent one through the three seasons of Picard. We're about to go into the final episode of it. And of course, in Star Trek, uh, her history there in Star Trek, her coming on uh, as an actress onto the show, her and Kate Mulgrew not getting along for a number of reasons. And how incredible would it be that she that Jerry Ryan has lived long enough well, and gone through the ups and downs of Star Trek to end up as the listen, captain of a ship, possibly down the road. So I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna tell you right now. Yeah. I I know that this is the next generation send off, and I'm very very thrilled about of it. Course, of course. But if at the end of the day of the last episode, if if seven of nine shakes Admiral Janeway's hand, and then Tuvok pops up and he's like, "I'm okay." <laughs> I'm be very happy. Good. You're be very happy, y'all. It'd be good. Yeah, I want to. But see to your point, movie. to your point about the transporters, it is you are right. Like anti-vaxxers could have a field day with yeah. this whole transporter situation because it basically confirms anti-vaxxers' worst nightmare. And if we do get further Star Trek stories, it would be a real shame if they didn't all of a sudden have anti-transporters in the Federation because I tell you something yeah. like this would make a significant number of people be like, okay. Yeah. My DNA was rewritten so that I could be assimilated, and I am never getting on a fucking transporter again. Course, I will tell you right now. Not to mention the Federation-wide trauma that is going to occur oh, to yeah. all those people under 25 being assimilated. So, yeah, whatever your point of view, that situation fits. You know, you could say Fox News or anti-vaxxers or whatever, or the liberals or whatever. You can say all of it, and it all fits, which I think is genius. That's how you write good sci-fi. You make it universal as hell. All right, so anyway, we get onto the shuttle, uh, and, um, uh, yeah, we, we see that they all reunite. Uh, I love before the death of Shaw. I want to mention this Seven saying the robot is right and Data's reaction to it. Oh, Data was like, the fuck? You're born. You're a form of born calling me a robot. What? So anyway, um, they get onto the shuttle. Uh, Jordy says he has a better idea, as I mentioned earlier. Then they are they. Uh, then Jordy asks Data to be more positive because Data is essentially being the C3PO, giving him all the odds. And he says, "Well, I hope we die quickly." So that I love that. Before we jump into uh, where we're going here, but yeah, we we get to we get out of the, we go out in the shuttle. They're all escaping here, and then we get this uh, uh, Jordy taking us to the fleet museum which of course was introduced a few episodes ago episodes ago where we found where we found jordy and he reveals the newly restored enterprise d which is the last analog starship in existence possibly that hasn't been integrated with the fleet and then we see their reaction i mean this is so similar to what we saw in star trek the motion picture when kirk is watching the enterprise there in space dock and just marveling at it in that long ass ride on the shuttle, his love of the ship, right? And so we see them looking at the ship, comment on it, uh, and then they go onto the bridge. The lights come on. I'm sure Michael was losing it at this point. All the lights coming on. We see the old cream leather seats there, uh, and they all talk about their feelings about being on the ship here. And you um, can sense the joy that all of them have being back on the old set. Picard has has a, a conversation about it and then mentions the thing that he missed the most, was the carpet carpet there looking at the carpet and all of that. Um, and they all talk about family. They make a point to talk about family here as the episode wraps up and that their kids are their family. And wherever Picard goes, they'll go to Picard asks Jordy for permission to sit and take over the ship. Uh, Jordy, of course, uh, gives it uh, 
Worf complains about the weapons. He, pre he preferred the Enterprise E, and uh, Deanna shuts him down real quickly. And he says, oh, good job, Jordy. Good job. Uh, and so they all come together there on the ship. Even Data grabs the chair, the old chair, and goes, oh, hello, old chair. So great moments for all of them. Now they're all together on the Enterprise D, Michael. And here we go into the finale next week. So was it nostalgia bait? Was it too far? Or was it just absolutely perfect? Did everything lead, every episode lead to this moment in this season? If this was nostalgia bait, I ate it hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I, I took that hook and I swallowed it whole. Um, so yeah, so first of all, I again... And I don't think that this is a bad thing. I don't think they copied it, but like great Battlestar Galactica comparison here. I mean, the Cylons attack in the pilot episode of Battlestar Galactica. Right. And because Battlestar Galactica is a museum piece that is not hooked up to the entire system, they are the only ones that can get out of here. And so the Enterprise D in effect here yeah. is Battlestar Galactica and yeah. the Borg are the Cylons. And it just, it works perfectly. It's awesome. I love it. Chef's kiss, perfection. <laughs> um, you know, just fun Easter eggs a little bit, you know, when they're yeah. talking about it, like, how did he do this? Because the Enterprise D crashed, like, they took the yeah. top of the Enterprise D and crashed it in generations. So Jordy was like, well, because of the Prime Directive, we couldn't leave it there. Yeah. So we had to pick it up. And I was like, ah, hey, fun side project on the weekends. I'm going <laughs> to rebuild a starship. <laughs> and then the Enterprise E, yeah. We don't know what happened to the Enterprise E post the Star Trek movies, but based on what we've sort of gleaned from Star Trek Twitter, Worf was the captain of the Enterprise E for a brief, it, it specifically says brief period of time. <laughs> and so when they talk about the Enterprise E and they all look at Worf and he's like, that's not my fault. <laughs> it's great because we don't actually know, Yeah, but clearly some shit went down and it was a brief time that he spent yeah. in the captain's chair um so all awesome so like you know set up awesome and again we've sort of known from the very beginning that we at some point we're gonna get our an, our classic crew on yeah. our classic bridge but even knowing it i don't think i was fully prepared like here's the thing you go back and you watch those old star trek the next generation episodes and even though it looks super yeah. cool at the time when it came out the wood paneling, the red carpet, the leather chairs, like it's not exactly what uh, what we think of as a cool looking starship at this point. Yeah. Um, but they made it look cool. Yeah. Like they like like for all of the cheesiness that Star Trek The Next Generation is, they didn't try and shy away from it. They didn't have Jordy say, hey, I made some modifications and then we go on this like super high tech bridge we've never seen before. Like they went on the bridge from the TV show. And when those lights come up and you see it all there and you see all of them standing there on that bridge, like it took my breath away. I'm yeah. not even going to lie to you. Like I, I get that it's nostalgia. I get that you're hitting me right in the buttons of like my childhood, yeah. but you did it so perfectly that it's just like a top 10 Star Trek movie moment of all time. Mm -hmm. Like all of them there, all of them reflecting on it. Even Picard kind of saying, Hey, I know, I know the world's about to end, but I got to tell you guys, I really miss this carpet. Uh, just all of it. And then yeah. seeing them all sort of take their positions, you know, Jordy, Jordy sitting there at the front, just like he was at the very beginning of everything. And then them being like them once again, going into a beyond impossible situation on the enterprise bridge mm -hmm. to save the day. And Picard says engage. And I was like, 
Well, now like episode ten is just all like it's all roller coaster from here on out. Like <laughs> like they've they've put all the pieces in place. Jack yeah. Crusher is on the board cube. It's I mean it literally is yeah. in a generational aspect. Like this is the Enterprise going up against the Borg ships with Locutus of Borg on the ship. Yeah. But now it's. Picard's on the Enterprise, his son is on the Borg cube, and the entire Federation is already assimilated and controlled by the Borg. So right. it's literally uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, but doubled down on steroids. <laughs> yeah, father versus son for the future of the Federation. It's essentially what it comes down to. This is the main event at WrestleMania. This is the final match at WrestleMania. The main event here, father versus son for control of the Federation. So it's going to be so much fun to see. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought the way they did this was really smart. The pacing of this, having the Jordy reveal what it's having the, the, the door, the bay doors open oh. slowly in the dark, having them all, you know, look at it initially well, and the look on their faces. Yeah. And not for nothing, the music cues in this show oh, are insane. Oh. But I am, I forget, I, be, I believe it's, uh, I believe the soundtrack is coming out in the next week or so, maybe, uh, yes. maybe next week, the week after. There's a, some I am out so, there now for people to yeah, I am so anxiously awaiting, I will listen to the score for season three of Picard on a fucking loop, <laughs> non, like, over and over and over again. Like, I can't, I won't stop it. Like, and like, all of the next generation cues, when they get on that bridge, it was just, it was everything I always wanted. Yeah, uh, Jeff Russo and Frederick Weedman are the people who do the music uh, for the show here. Uh, and this episode, Sean Tretta and Kylie Rossiter want to give credit to them as writers of this episode. But yeah, the way this whole thing lays out, the looking at it, and then when they they hear about all the explanations, Jordy and Britty and three, you know, and that moment as you said when they when Worf's like, "It's not my fault," and then when they get on the ship, just the joy on their faces and the looks. Look, I'm an, I'm an old I'm the original series guy. So anytime the whole crew was on the ship together on the bridge, I don't care if it was a Klingon ship or a, or a Federation ship, I was always happy to see them in their spots. What's great about this moment, though, Mike, is it's very clear that all of them have kind of gone off and gone there on their own paths and they've become alphas in their own lives. It's one of them. So the fact that they are all willing to go back into a position here where they surrender a little bit of that alpha yep. to the main alpha of Picard is a fantastic moment because it's their uh, free will that allows them to essentially be part of this collective freely and go forward and follow this leader, in essence, a board queen in his, in his own way, in, on this mission. And so I love that that's an element. Why? Because it's interactive, because everyone's allowed to speak their truth and speak their voice, and then we, do, we go with the best idea. So that's the difference between a collective Versus a group of people who get together and understand that that's a team. There's a team and a collective, and those are two different things. Yeah, that's no, I, I, I like that. A team versus a collective is actually yeah. pretty great. I, yeah. And the other thing, I know you're not a Goonies guy, but watching them walk on that bridge, it very much reminded me of, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg famously did not show the cast of Goonies the pirate ship that they had built. Oh, right. So that when yes. you when they all kind of come out of the of the slides and they're in the water, when they turn around and see that pirate ship for the first time, yeah. it's not all of them acting like they're amazed. Right, like right, that right. is an actual shot of holy shit, that's really cool. And it I, the same vibes here. Yeah. They all walked onto that bridge and the reaction they had didn't just feel like the characters within Star Trek being like, holy shit. It yeah. felt like the actors that haven't stood on that bridge for years, standing on the bridge and being like, God, 
the memories. Like yeah. this is this is crazy. And so like, yeah, again, it's uh, I, you're, you're, I've seen the same thing you have. I've seen a couple people uh, on Twitter being like, well, maybe they like overdid it on the nostalgia in this penultimate episode. And I'm like, I don't know what show you've been watching, but this is what we've been. This is it. This yeah. is what we've been building to. Yeah. I think they earned it. And, and Terry's done a wonderful job show running this season and leading us to this moment. And it was an earned moment. He didn't blow it in the sixth episode. This was the perfect time to bring them all together on the bridge of the ship. The logic of the story makes sense. And so all of it just works so well. So I thought it was absolutely fantastic to see that. And they've earned, like I said, it's about, earn, like you said, Michael, execution. Execution leads to you earning moments like this if you do execution well. So there we go. Uh, any final words on this episode, man? I know we talked for over an hour already. I knew I'd long this. I knew it was going to be a long one. So no, any final it's words like, on it's, this? you know, we've, we've been talking about it as we've been leading up to this stuff, yeah. you know, we've been, whether it's the Jack Crusher mystery box, whether it's like, you know, are they going to stick this landing? Are they going to stick this landing? And I think at this point, they've stuck the landing. I mean, yeah. like uh, whatever episode 10 holds for us, and I'm sure it is going to be thrilling and amazing. And we're going to be wowing and freaking out when we review next week's episode. Yeah. This was the episode that kind of was like, okay, what's what's Jack Crusher? Who's the bad guy? What's their gambit? What's going on? And I love that we didn't land on a, oh God, the Borg might assimilate everybody. Right, right. We went, we we sailed past that. <laughs> yeah. We are like, no, the Borg done did it. How are you gonna undo it? Like that's what we gotta do. And um, yeah. you know, I I I worry for um I don't worry, but like, you know, I, I, I don't know that Picard's making it out of this next episode. Oh, listen to that comment, ladies and gentlemen. I don't. Even with I, the synthetic I, body, you think it's not going to be enough? I, I'm very curious what's going to happen, but I have a feeling that Picard's going to make a big sacrifice somewhere in here for his son. And for the for all for for everyone else too. Like I I I, I might be wrong about it, but you know we're we're coming to the end of the yeah. final season of Picard. It's been a rocky ride at best, but yeah. we've really got a great final story here. This is ultimately I don't even think I'm gonna in the big history of things. I don't think this is season three of Picard. I think this is the final season of Next Generation. Is what this yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, okay. And I don't think there's a lot more stories for the Next Generation crew after this. Yeah. I, I don't think you can tell a better story after this for the next generation crew. So if this is the last story of Jean-Luc Picard, yeah. Right. I don't know we'll how it goes. The final round. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I have questions about that as well. Um, we've seen a lot of Star Trek two references throughout this season. As you mentioned, Michael, the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few or the one is Picard going to sacrifice himself like Spock did in Star Trek two. Um, or is Data going to sacrifice himself again? I think it's going to be more powerful if Picard does it for his son to save him. And, you know, maybe it's his son on the outside like Kirk going, no, as he watches his father uh, die in front of him. So that could be a father that he's desperately wanted to have in his life and had a similar, a short amount of time with the power of the loss of that, which, you know, we lose fathers all the time. It happens. And so you see that maybe coming through here in this moment as a final echo of Star Trek to Wrathicon, uh, which has, has been echoing throughout this season. And certainly earlier, which I forgot to mention, when Deanna Troy says to Jack, remember, and then pauses after she says it, which is very similar to what Spock does when he mind melds with, yeah. with uh, McCoy in that moment before he goes inside the chamber and saves the, 
saves the ship in Star Trek too. So it could be possible that it's Picard who's saving everybody, as you mentioned, and that will carry such weight for sure. And maybe Stewart could be like, okay, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. So we shall see. Uh, all right, well, there you go. That's our uh, spoiler review here for episode nine, Vox of Star Trek uh, Picard season three. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Michael, what do we have to tell them? Uh, if you would like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, you can follow him at the Roca says you can follow me at MK tune. Uh, if you enjoyed all of this and uh, we hope you did because we're certainly enjoying talking about it. Here's some stuff that you can do so that we can keep on doing it. You can smash that like button below subscribe to Johnny's outlaw nation page and check out all the amazing content he's got there. Uh, leave your comments below. What Easter eggs did we, miss what did we not get right what did yeah. we get wrong what did we love what did we hate let us all know down in the comments if you're listening to us on a podcast leave us some stars and some comments to help us go up in the rankings so more people can find us and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your social send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go as always all right we all take care of yourselves be well we will be back with the finale next week possibly live and possibly with some special guests for star trek picard season three on the Geek Buddies! Hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.